Turn to Mark chapter 10, please. There's a reason I had her sing, Open the Eyes of My Heart, because that's the title of the message this morning. Mark chapter 10, we're going to talk about blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And he immediately received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I don't know if you've ever heard of Charlie Boswell. I hadn't until I started preparing this message. Charlie Boswell was fighting in World War II. He was rescuing a friend from a burning tank and as a result of his efforts, Charlie Boswell ended up blind. Now, Charlie Boswell had always been an athletic type individual, so after he ended up blind, he took up golf. In fact, several times he was the national blind golf champion in America. Charlie Boswell was called to Fort Worth one time. Now, for those of you who don't know golf, Ben Hogan was a great golfer, and he was to receive the Ben Hogan Award. And he met Ben Hogan and suggested that they play a round of golf and that they play for money. And Charlie Boswell suggested we play for $1,000 a hole. And Ben Hogan refused. He said, you know, I'd, what would people think of me playing a blind man for $1,000 a hole? And so Charlie Boswell said, that's okay. Our tea time is midnight tonight. I read the statistics on how many blind people there are in America, and there's a great number of millions of people who are legally blind, some who are walking in total darkness. But you know, there's a difference between physical blindness and spiritual blindness. Amen. We're going to talk about faith, and we're going to talk about spiritual blindness this morning. This is the account of the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus and his disciples are on the way to Jerusalem, and they're coming up through Jericho. Now, you always go up to Jerusalem. Jericho is like 15.9 miles from Jerusalem, but the elevation, the terrain, rises over that 15.9 miles, 3,400 feet. So you go up to Jerusalem from Jericho. And verse 46 tells us that there were a lot of people, as there would have been, accompanying Jesus as he goes along the road. And then there was this blind beggar named Bartimaeus sitting by the roadside, and he hears what's going on. Now listen, Jesus used many different methods of healing blind people. If you just look through the scriptures in Matthew chapter 9 and also in Matthew chapter 20, he healed two blind men by touching their eyes. 
in Mark, the eighth chapter, he healed a blind man by spitting in his eyes and then putting his hand on him. In John, the ninth chapter, he spit on the ground and he made a clay out of the spittle, the scripture says, and he anointed the blind man's eyes and he told him this, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. You say, what does all of that mean? The methods are different and the methods may be different, but every one of those methods involved faith in God. They had to do what Jesus said to do. And what that shows us is that God can choose any method He wants to work in our lives, whether it's the healing of some physical ailment or encouraging us spiritually or whatever it may be. God can use any method He chooses, but we must trust Him. We must have faith in God. Now, you notice in this account, Jesus did not touch blind Bartimaeus. He didn't lay his hands on him. He didn't put anything on his eyes. He did not touch him. He simply said this, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And it also tells us this, that immediately, he didn't have to wait, immediately blind Bartimaeus received his sight. So this talks to us about the power of faith. Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Hebrews chapter, by the way, we all need faith, don't we? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says of God, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Come to God, but come to God in faith. So we're going to talk about three truths in relation to faith, and then we're going to talk about spiritual blindness right quickly in this message this morning. You say, right quickly? I don't believe it. Well, you see, you don't have faith. <laughs> Just have faith this morning. First of all, faith believes even when you cannot see. Faith believes even when you cannot see. Verse 47 tells us that even though Bartimaeus couldn't see Jesus, he had heard about Jesus, and then he heard what was going around him, and he heard that Jesus was in the area. That Jesus was coming to his town. Now listen, Bartimaeus was not only blind, he was a beggar also. See, for someone that had a disability in that day, that was just about all that they could do to live, to sustain life. They had to beg. And so every day, Bartimaeus sits beside the road and he begs. He asks for money. I don't know if he had something to hold out for people to put money in or they just put it in his hand. But he sat there by the roadside. And then he hears on this day that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming down the road. And what does Bartimaeus do? He begins to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What great faith he had in just crying that out. No doubt he had heard it. Jesus had healed people. No doubt he had heard that even Jesus had even healed the blind. And based on what he had heard, he believed. What does the scripture say? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Literally, faith comes by hearing the word of God. You must hear the word of God. He heard and he believed. Not just that Jesus was in Jericho. But he believed that Jesus was there and that Jesus had the power to change his life. Now, if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ the Savior. If you're watching by live stream, you don't know Christ the Savior. Jesus Christ has the power to change your life. 
if you will just trust him, if you will depend upon him. See, here's what Bartimaeus did. He believed before he had any proof. He believed before he had any proof. See, there are people today who want proof that God exists. There are people today who want proof that Jesus was the Son of God. See, the creation's not enough for them. You listen to what Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For the invisible things of Him, talking about God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I mean, you just go out and look into the night sky. You watch how regularly the seasons roll around. You watch at, look at the order in the creation. Look at the order and the function of the human body. It all testifies that there is a creator, that there is a God in heaven, and yet that's not good enough for some folks. Amen. So what if, by some miracle, we could prove that God exists? You heard what I prayed a moment ago, and I admit it's kind of self-serving, I think, but I wanted God to show himself and his power by suddenly just eradicating COVID. So that the scientists sit around and say, we don't know what happened. We don't know where, I'd love to see that happen, but you know, God may not do that. But what if by some miracle we could prove that God exists? Some unexplainable miracle that he performs. Well, what we think is immediately the skeptics would all be saved, right? No, listen, folks. Knowing the nature of the human heart, they would invent some excuse, some reason that all of this happened. They would explain it away. But even if a miracle did happen, and even if many said, okay, I believe in God, you know what that would be? That would not be faith. That would be sight. That here's what God did, and God proved He was God, and so forth. They would just be believing by sight. Now, like Bartimaeus, We've not seen Jesus with our physical eyes, have we? And nobody knows what Jesus looks like. We were in a discussion not long ago about, you know, these Renaissance-era paintings of Jesus and how in all of them he looks like, uh, you know, uh, Middle European or Western European, tall and, you know, really comely individual. And the Scripture says that there was no comeliness about him. And Dr. James Tour that I've mentioned before, a Jewish man who was saved, who has degrees and teaches at Rice University in nanotechnology and these things, he says Jesus probably wasn't very much to look at from a physical standpoint. So we've never seen him. We don't know what he looked like with a physical eyes. But you know, I've heard about him. And I believe him and I believe in him and I believe on him. Not just that he was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Not just that about 33 years later he died on the cross and was buried and and, and rose again and so forth. Faith is not just believing the facts about Jesus. It's believing that Jesus Christ has the power to change your life and your eternity. That's putting your trust in him. That's depending upon him. See, I don't just believe the fact about the resurrection. Easter Sunday was last Sunday. Well, today's Easter Sunday too. (laughs) Because Jesus came out of the tomb on Sunday morning. And so I believe in the resurrection, not just the fact, but I believe that Jesus Christ is alive today. He's at the right hand of the Father, but he's also living in me. And I believe this also. He's coming back, and I believe he's coming back one of these days very soon. See, faith believes 
even when you don't see, even when you have no proof. Now here's something else faith does. Faith resists all barriers to Christ. True faith resists all barriers to Christ. When blind Bartimaeus is sitting there, and he begins to cry out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. What did the crowd say to him? I'll put it in language we understand. They said, shut up. (laughs) The scripture says it more kindly than I would. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. They told him, be quiet. Jesus is coming. Don't you be yelling at Jesus, right? Jesus is coming down the road. Now, nobody encouraged him saying, well, good for you, Bartimaeus. Good for you. You cry out louder. Jesus can help you. Jesus can heal you. You just keep shouting out to Jesus. No, instead of helping him, they rebuked him and they tried to shut him up. You're going to find out, young people, you're going to find this out too if you haven't already in your life, that when you are bold enough to cry out to Jesus or when you are bold enough to cry out for Jesus, there are going to be those who will try to discourage you in your faith. They'll try to shut you up. Don't talk about Jesus. I don't want to hear about Jesus. Don't come around here telling me about Jesus. And not everybody is going to be excited like you are about knowing Jesus Christ. Well, what do you do when they try to shut you up? What do you do when they try to discourage you, when they try to keep you from talking about the Lord? Well, look down to verse 48. And many charge him that he should hold his peace. I love this. But he cried the more a great deal. They tried to shut him up and he just got louder. When they try to shut you up about Jesus, get louder. Listen, folks, the day has come. The day is long past that we have God's people have sat in the background long enough and kept our mouth shut while the world becomes more worldly, becomes more demonic, becomes more devilish. We need to start speaking up, folks. I don't mean, see, I got to thinking the other day, the Lord's churches at one time were a force to be reckoned with in this world. Because remember, Paul was accused of turning the world upside down. Now what has happened over the years? We've learned to blend in. We've learned to be silent. Now we're not going to change the world with marches and protests and those things. We're going to change the world if we are changing the world by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and daily witnessing to others of the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just do what Bartimaeus did. He just got louder. In fact, that word cried, I like this. That word cried is the word crazo. Now, just saying that, well, maybe if I change the pronunciation of that word just a little bit, you'll get what English word comes from it. Crazo. Crazy. We get our English word from that word crazo, which means crazy, and it means to scream, it means to call out aloud, it means to shout. So here they're telling Bartimaeus, hey, you need to be quiet, and he just gets louder and starts calling, crying out to Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on you. When the world tries to hinder you, when the world tries to silence you, resist them. Resist the world. Speak out louder. Speak out more often. Hey, I know we, I guess all of us, have Facebook accounts. Put it on Facebook. I believe Jesus. I trust Jesus. You need Jesus. Jesus is coming back. I mean, just fill Facebook or MeWe or whatever account you have. Fill it up with Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs to say. Some people will unfriend me. Some people won't like 
doesn't matter. Get louder. Get more vocal. God's people need to be more vocal about Jesus Christ today. We should not let the lost world, nor uncommitted believers, because there's a bunch of those in this world, intimidate us into silence about Jesus Christ. Amen. One preacher, and I like this, referred to Bartimaeus as the first shouting Baptist. Well, he was, wasn't he? In the 1800s, Baptists were often called shouting Baptists. And you know why? Because they'd shout, Amen! Hallelujah! Maybe even say, Praise the Lord! Whatever. They were not willing to be silent. They praised God by saying, Glory! I hear that there's some in the state of Virginia that still do that. Well, good. Because I don't know of many in our state that do that, right? See, I'm afraid we've become <clears throat> too dignified, right? We're too dignified to get excited about the Word of God because what might people think if I get excited about people being saved? What might people think if I get excited about a brother or sister in Christ who's been out of fellowship with God coming back to the fold and committing themselves, recommitting their lives to Christ and faithfully serving Him? Somebody pointed out that the only shouting Baptists we have today are those that argue in the parking lot after services are over. Someone else suggested what we, need, what we have today is snoozing Baptists. You're not shouting Baptists. Well, we are told at least 20 times in the Scriptures to shout. You know that? At least 20 times. Psalm 98, 4, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise. Don't you like that? Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. You know what that phrase, make a joyful noise, means? Get this. It means to shout, but it also means to split the ears with sound. <laughs> hey, Brother Rick, how would you like it if folks, when they were singing, split your ears with sound, they just sang so loud? Amen. You know, I noticed him a couple of times during the song service this morning stopping, and all I heard was me, and I thought, well, we need more than that, you know. <laughs> Shouting Baptists. Baptists who are not afraid, who are not ashamed to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ, and who, when the world says, don't do that, we say, I'm going to do it more, and I'm going to do it louder. Faith overcomes and resists all barriers to Christ. And faith admits a need to be changed. Faith admits a need to be changed. Now, notice how Jesus responded when Bartimaeus cried out. Verse 49, it says, He stood still and commanded him to be called. Jesus didn't ignore him. By the way, when you shout to Jesus, you pray to the Lord, you pray to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll not ignore you. Jesus did not ignore Bartimaeus. He said, bring him here. Bring him to me. This man's crying out for mercy. This man recognizes who I am. Bring him to me. And then when he gets there in verse 51, he says, What wilt thou, thou shalt do unto thee? Bartimaeus, what you want me to do? What's your prayer? Now, just think about this. Do you find it curious, just a little bit curious, that Jesus, who knows all things, I mean, he knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what I'm thinking. 
Jesus, who knows all things, asked, what do you want me to do for you? Didn't he know? Well, yes, he knew. Jesus knew what Bartimaeus wanted. He knew that Bartimaeus was blind. He knew that Bartimaeus needed sight, and he knew that Bartimaeus wanted sight. Remember in the fifth chapter of John, there was a man lying by the pool of Bethesda? And Jesus asked him this question. And I'm going to paraphrase it into our modern day language. He said, don't you want to be made whole? Don't you want to be healed? Now that's a question that calls for a yes or no answer. And I mean, if, some, if you're sick and somebody walks up to you and says, you want to feel better? What are you going to answer? Well, I'm going to answer yes. But how did that man at the pool of Bethesda answer? He said, well, I, he began to make excuses. Well, I don't have anybody when the water's moved. And, you know, the thinking was when the water in the pool of Bethesda was moved, the first one in it was healed. You know, an angel would come down and move. Well, this man said, well, I don't have anybody to, I can't walk over there and I don't have anybody, you know, put me in the pool. And so he's making excuses. Well, why is he doing that? See, Bartimaeus had been blind all of his life. Bartimaeus was used to begging. And I believe it brought Bartimaeus a certain degree of attention from other people. And do you realize that even today there are people who enjoy their poor health? I mean, there are folks who just enjoy being sick. Why? It gets me some attention. Other people will think about me, ask about me, want to know how I'm doing, and they just enjoy the suffering that they get from being sick. So Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? You know what he's doing? He's giving him a choice. Life is filled with choices. And Jesus is giving Bartimaeus a choice. He wants him to admit his need. He wants to hear it from Bartimaeus. Well, why? He knew it. But folks, he knows that the lost person needs to be saved. But he wants to hear them. Ask him to save them. He wants to see them put their faith in him. Now, when he said Bartimaeus, I said he gave him a choice. When he said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? Bartimaeus could have said, uh, give me the name of a good eye doctor. Bartimaeus could have just been very generic the way many people are today. And Bartimaeus could have said, Lord bless me. Well, what do you want me to do? You, you say, Lord bless me. But look at verse 51 again. The Lord says, what do you want me to do? And Bartimaeus says, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Very brief, very short, very simple prayer. Do you know that some of the best prayers that are prayed today are very simple and they are very specific? Amen. We talked about vain repetition in Sunday school this morning. I'm afraid sometimes if we're not careful, we may fill our prayers with vain repetition. We ought to bring praise. We read in the model prayer we read about how we ought to glorify God at the beginning and then the prayer. But sometimes I think some folks just try to flower it up real big, you know. And using flowery words is going to impress God. No, it's not. The simple heart, the humble heart before God in prayer is what will impress God. Amen. And some of the best prayers are short and simple and very specific. What do you mean very specific? A lot of people pray this way, Lord, save the lost. Well, don't you think God wants to save the lost. I mean, the scripture says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants every man, woman, boy, and girl to be saved. Well, yeah, we're praying in the will of God when we say, Lord, save the lost. But let's get more specific. Pray, Lord, 
I have a family member that's lost. And if they do not accept Jesus, they're going to hell. And I know it, Lord. I've got a neighbor that's lost. Lord, I've got a co-worker that's lost. Lord, I've got a best friend, a BFF, right, kids? I've got a BFF that's lost. And they're going to die without you and go to hell. Lord, give me an opportunity to witness to them. And Lord, give them those spiritual ears that they need to listen and to understand and convict their hearts so they'll accept you as Savior. That's how we need to pray, folks. Jesus stands before us today, think about this, as a church and as individual believers. And you know what he's saying? What do you want me to do? What shall I do for you, Bethel Baptist Church? What shall I do for you? And then he might call our name. But you see, we can't ask specifically until we are willing to admit our need. Now I'm going to tell you a little secret about this message. I had something else all planned to preach today. I was going to go back to 2 Kings and talk about those lepers outside the city wall of Samaria. And I worked and worked and could not get it going. And at 2.30 Friday afternoon, I scrapped it all and said, we're going to start again. Lord saying, what do you want, church? We have to be specific and admit our needs. See, somebody might pray this way, Lord, I have a problem with anger. Lord, I have a problem with bitterness. Lord, I have a problem with gossip. Lord, I have a problem with holding a grudge against other people. And Lord, I want to be changed. Change me. So we need to get very specific in our praying. And Jesus said before saying, what do you want? What do you need? I'll give it to you. That's faith. Those three things that faith does, and they're wonderful things. Faith believes even when we cannot see. It resists all barriers to Christ. And faith admits that we need to be changed. But now we're going to talk about spiritual blindness because Bartimaeus was blind. And spiritual blindness is one of the worst problems I think God's people have today. Amen. Jesus reserved some of His harshest words for people who were willingly spiritually blind. What did he call the Pharisees? Blind leaders of the blind. Oh, folks, I thought about this as I was preparing this message. I never want to be a blind leader. And I never want to be a blind leader of the blind. Why did Jesus say, what did he say would happen to the blind leaders of the blind? They're both going to fall into the ditch. See, we got preachers today that are blind leaders, leading folks who are following them. They can't see any farther than follow them. Get into the Word of God. I told you, don't just take my word for it. It's, there are people who say, oh, Brother Jim said it. It's got to be true. No, you get in the Word of God and you test it by the Word of God. You examine it by the Word of God. You say, are you telling us that you'd say something that's no, I'm not trying to tell you. I don't ever want to say anything from this pulpit that's not true. But, you know, I did. I hadn't gotten over it, Brother Dennis. I did have Jonah. Where did I have him going? To wherever he was going, Tarshish. I had him going to the wrong place anyway. Amen. A few weeks ago when I was meant to talk about Elisha, I kept calling him Elijah. I mean, guess what? I make mistakes. Amen. And things come out of this mouth that I wish I could grab them sometimes and pull them back about the time they come out, but we can't do that, can we? 
You may have 20-20 vision and still suffer from spiritual blindness. And right quickly, three kinds of spiritual blindness. Number one is blind to the truth about Jesus. Blind to the truth about Jesus. I think we live in a world that has all sorts of opinions and attitudes and odd thinking about Jesus. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, Some folks have been so blinded by the God of this age, and He's doing it lest the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan doesn't want people to see Jesus. Satan does not want people to see the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone may be listening to this message right now, whether here or, or by way of live stream, but you don't really believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the human image of God. Well, He is. The Bible says so. Amen. Satan's trying to keep folks in blindness. He doesn't want people to see the glory of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want people accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's why we have to work extra hard, folks, when we're witnessing to folks. We have a supernatural power working against us trying to keep people blind and trying to keep people from accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. Number two, you may be blind to the God-given potential in your life or in the lives of others. How many are familiar with the name Susan Boyle? A few folks are. Now, I have watched the 2009 video of Susan Boyle's audition on the show Britain's Got Talent. And she walks out and she just appears as this sort of frumpy looking British housewife that, you know, you wouldn't think she could sing a note. And in fact, some of the judges and I noticed on that video one teenage girl in the audience just sort of rolls her eyes when she says what she's going to sing and so forth. 47 years old, this woman couldn't sing, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket if you gave it to her. And then the music plays. And then she sings those first notes. And this beautiful, beautiful voice and she just, by the time she's through, the whole audience and some of the judges are standing, applauding. I mean, she has done this excellent job. This woman that you would think couldn't sing, couldn't hit a note, has just wowed everybody. Listen, don't judge people by their looks. I mean, somebody might look at me and say, he couldn't preach a note. Well, I may not be able to, you know. Apparently, Paul wasn't much to look at. I hear he was short and didn't have a great voice and all of that, but how did God use him? See, he had a potential. And though other people may not see the potential, God sees the potential. What is your potential? Ask God to reveal your potential to you. Ask God to show you what you can do in your service of Him. Ask God to show you what others can do and encourage other people in their talents and in their abilities to use them for God. Don't misunderstand and don't be blind to the God-given potential that is in your life. And then ask God this. Because see, I don't think God places people in churches accidentally. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And that's what I think He does here. And if you're a member of this church, there's a reason God added you. There's something you can do. 
You have an ability. You have a potential in this church of serving God in a great way. Ask God what it is and then let God use you. Somebody say, well, I don't want to be forward in it. Why not? We need some forward people today. Amen. You know, <laughs> Brother Rick asked me earlier, I'm trying to get everything set up for the live stream. He said, How's, it's great being a one-man show. And I said, yeah, it's difficult, you know. You get through with Sunday school, rush in here, get things set up for this, make sure everything's right. We need people who are willing to serve God. And then here's the third kind of spiritual blindness. You may be blind to God's purpose for your life. You may be blind to God's purpose for your life. Ephesians chapter 1, please. Verse 17. This is part of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And by the way, by application, it's his prayer for us today, okay? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Look at this. The eyes of your understanding. Now just pause right there for a moment. You know what that word understanding is? In the Greek language, it's the word cardia. Does that sound familiar? What's it talking about? the heart. You have a cardiac arrest. You have an electrocardiogram, okay? That the eyes of your heart open. The eyes of my heart, Lord, right? That the eyes of your understanding or of your heart being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That song opened the eyes of my heart was written by Paul Beloche. It was inspired by this verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Open the eyes of my heart to you, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see your purpose for my life. Do you know why God created you? Hey, young people, you know why God created you? Now, you're going to like this first part. Not so you could go to school. Well, there's more with it, okay? Not so you could go to school get a job, make a lot of money, retire, and wait to die. That is not why God created you. He created you in order to have a personal relationship with you. And He has called you, if you're saved, He has called you to a different kind of life than what most of the world has. He calls us to the thing that will give us hope. And you know what that is? That is knowing Him and making Him known to others. That's why God has created us. See, we need to help people who are spiritually blind see Jesus. We need to show them Jesus. He is their only hope. Jesus gave blind Bartimaeus a new purpose for living. Notice what blind Bartimaeus did. Go back to Mark chapter 10 for just a moment. Notice what blind Bartimaeus did when Jesus called him. First thing he says, it cast aside his beggar's coat. Now I understand about the beggar's coat, it had pockets inside, not outside. Because anything he got, he put on the inside and it still looks like he's poor on the outside. (laughs) And so he had this beggar's coat and he cast off His beggar's coat. And then it says, now get this, this is a blind man. Then it says he jumped 
to his feet. He's sitting here begging. Jesus heals him. He jumps, he throws away his coat. He jumps to his feet and what? And he came to Jesus. Well, let's go back to the beggar's coat for a moment. That was his security blanket. He was a beggar. He had a beggar's coat. That was his identity. But when Jesus called him, what did he do? He threw away his old identity. And he raced to Jesus. Because Jesus gave him a new identity. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Bartimaeus now has a new identity and he follows the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, he's not blind Bartimaeus anymore. He's just Bartimaeus, all right? We're familiar with the song Rock of Ages. There's a line in that song that says this. Here's how you got to come to Jesus. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. That's how you come to Jesus. That's how you serve Jesus. I have told you before. I said you're going to get tired of hearing it. But folks, this preacher cannot preach. God, Jesus Christ, in him can. You come with nothing. And you say, Lord, fill me up with everything you've got. Whether it's for salvation or whether it's for service. Let me ask you, how is your spiritual vision today? You know, I'm physically nearsighted. I mean, I take my contacts out. You get about past right there, I can't see anything. I'm bad nearsighted. Some are farsighted. We all would like correction to get us to 2020 vision. But how about our spiritual vision? It needs to be 2020 also. And the only way to have 20 20 vision is this. And I like what one man said one time. He said, put your eyes on Jesus and tell people what you see. Let's stand, please.